And our scripture for today is going to be in Genesis, specifically in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 5. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. Uh, if not, the verses are going to be on the screen behind me. Again, this is Genesis 12, verses 1 through 5. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when, when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Awesome God, mighty are you and wonderful are your deeds, amazing are you, astounding in our presence. We sing your praise, and we pray, Lord, that we would not miss it, not miss you, not miss what you're doing amongst us and in us. Lord, let this not be rote or ritualistic such that we fail to see how astounding you are, how majestic you are. Lord, I thank you for your word. I ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see, our ears, that we would hear. Open our minds, that we come to know and understand your word, our hearts, that we would feel its power. And by your grace, I ask, oh God, that you would open, open our hearts and our hands, that we would be willing to offer your grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in my Bible, this text, this passage, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 5, is entitled, The Call of Abram. So if you have your Bibles, I wonder if it's the same in yours. I imagine it is. Everywhere I look, it seems like the call of Abram is how we identify Genesis 12. And Genesis 12 is like a turning point passage in all of Scripture. And you might be wondering, Jason, how is that possible? Like we just began, we're 12 chapters in, and, and, and I saw that it took covenant an entire week to read the entirety of the Bible. Yes, that's true. But everything, everything, everything turns and is beautifully articulated as it moves forward and perpetuates from Genesis 12. Genesis 12 is a critical passage, and all too often we uh, fail to properly identify the primary message of Genesis 12. I can't really count the number of times I've preached or taught Genesis 12, many times in fact, and almost every time I fall into the same trap as those narrators of scripture that added that language, the call of Abram, as a header in your Bible and in mine. We focus on Abram, Abram's call and his response, how, what he was asked to do and, and, and then how he followed through in that. And that is beautiful and it resonates with us and we can connect with it because God is calling each and every one of us in a very specific way and in a general way to participate in God's story of salvation for the world 
And that's not the primary point. It would be a trap for us to fall into. It is important, but it is not primary. If we were going to better label this passage of Scripture, if we were to narrate and write in a header that would be more appropriate, it might read God's plan. God's plan of salvation. God's plan for his creation. God's plan for humanity. Or maybe, specifically, God's plan of blessing. This is the orientation, the instigation of God's plan for blessing. And, and his plan uh, leads us all along the way. And, and, and I tell you what, if we skip over Genesis 12 and read a lot of the, new, uh, of, the, uh, me, of the Old Testament, we could find ourselves confused we could become flabbergasted and wonder why is, is there this destruction or why is there this favoritism towards the people of Israel? Or uh, it, it seems like there's a preferential treatment given to this one people. How does that resonate with who we know of Jesus and what we know of God? And if we miss Genesis 12 and read all the rest of it, we could grow confused. But if all the rest of that is seen through the lens of Genesis 12, clarity can begin to take shape for us. Uh, there, there's a, uh, a yogiism uh, that, that I want to be sure we come around uh, as an instigating word, a yogiism. Yogi Berra was always known for, uh, for some quotes that, uh, that just seemed all too obvious, and this is one of those. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. This is true. We could, we could be grounded in that. And so when we read Genesis 12, we see where God is taking us, where we are going. And we, can, we could be founded in that, and then we could read Scripture in that light. And when we arrive at Jesus, there's a glorious fulfillment and connection. And so we're going to walk through some of the primary elements of God's plan for blessing According to Genesis 12, God's plan for blessing in Genesis 12. These are the pillars of the plan. First, all the world will be blessed. All the world will be blessed. That's foundational to what we hear of in this call of Abram. All the world will be blessed. It, it's specifically outlined in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 3. Uh, God says to Abram, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And get this, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples. And not just Israel. Not just the di direct genealogical heritage of Abram. We know the songs from when we were a kid. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons. And Father Abraham, I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And then we would nod our heads, and we would kick our feet, and we would do all sorts of wonky things. We'd be spinning around like this by the end of it, right? And there's all sorts of frame of reference, but that misses it too. That misses it. And an and idea that that gives preference to Israel exclusively as the purpose is wrong. 
Because in Genesis 12, 3, it says all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. All. How radical is that? Without exception, without discrimination, all will be blessed through Abram by God. The source is God, and then, it, and then this human being is used for that. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed. This resonates deeply for us with something we hear from Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, and then power will come on you by the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. By the way, I want you all to, to memorize Acts 1-8. Like, that's going to be like a, a core uh, a credentialing for covenant folks. Like, this is, this is critical. Uh, the Spirit will come on you. You will receive power, uh, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This correlation, this connection is deep. And Jesus, uh, right before he ascends to heaven, makes sure that people know that what he has done is not just for Israel, is not just for the 12, is not just for the 72, it's not just for the 3,000 that will receive the Spirit at Pentecost, it's for the entire world. Everyone. This blessing is for everyone. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed. Now, we got a ways to go on that, by the way. And, and we could think, wow, I mean, this is pretty extraordinary. I'm sitting over here in Houston, Texas, all the way across the Atlantic, uh, across the Mediterranean, from where this was originally spoken by God to Abram, and how this word multiplied through Europe, and then through the Americas, and now it arrived to me. Wow, this is extraordinary. Uh, I could see how God is fulfilling this plan. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through Abram. Yes, I see this plan, but I want you to know that there are 8 billion people in the world and 3.2 billion people in the world currently do not have access to the gospel i'm not saying don't believe in the gospel i'm saying don't have access to the gospel 3.2 billion people which means we were we are still in the process of seeing this blessing unfold it is not completely fulfilled until the word of God and the revelation of Jesus Christ spreads throughout the earth. That is the blessing available for all the world. So pillar number one, all the world will be blessed. Number two, and this is where it gets dicey. We're going to go back to Genesis uh, uh, 12 verse 3. It also stated in another form in Genesis 12 too, but we'll just focus on uh, verse 3, and that is that humanity is employed to perpetuate the blessing. Pillar two of God's plan. Humanity. Raise your hand if you're human. Okay, good. All right, so we all knew that. A plus. Well done, team. Uh, we are all human, and so when we hear this, you're in this mix. Humanity is employed to perpetuate the blessing. And so in Genesis 12, 3... Uh, I want you to be sure you, you caught this last part that was underemphasized the last time we read it, but we're going to make sure it's underlined for you to be aware of this time as we read it. I will bless those who bless you, curse those, uh, whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Huh? 
you. In verse 2, it said it this way, uh, I, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. This is happening through humanity, through Abram initially, through his family, uh, to perpetuate it on through Jesus and to us. Humanity is the vehicle, the, the, the people that are employed to perpetuate this blessing. And at this point, I wonder, God, what are you thinking? Uh, some of you are, are in investments, and one of the things you do is you evaluate business plans, or maybe you're in lending, and you are a loan officer, and, you're, and, and someone walks in with a business plan saying, please loan me money, please, this would be great. And you evaluate the business plan, and, and there are a couple of things that you do. One of the things you do is you evaluate what are you doing. What is the aim of your organization, of your business? Is this uh, something that is needed, valuable? Uh, will, it be, uh, will it be well received by those that are seeking your services? What are you going to do? And then the second thing is, and who's going to do it? You want to meet the people that are going to do it. You want to look them in the eye. You want to see what they, what, what they have, what experiences they have, what credentials they have, what capacities they have, and if they have a proven track record. And at this point, God's plan gets denied. Like if you were going to invest in it, it makes no sense. All right, y'all don't believe me. We're in Genesis 12. You're in Genesis 12. Here we are, uh, Genesis 1, the world is created, seven days, beautiful, very good, God rests. Uh, particularly on that sixth day, humankind, very good, God rest, right? Then we have the story in chapter 2, Adam and Eve, and, it's, uh, and it, it tells uh, how they dwelled with God in the garden, and they were commissioned to take care of it. They were given responsibilities over it. And then in chapter 3, what happens? Genesis 3? Uh, we need more participation here today. What happens in chapter 3? Oh, hold on. Zach, two weeks ago, you must not have had much engagement. Megan, last week, not much engagement. People, come on. I'm back. So, in Genesis 3, what happened? The fall. In Genesis 3, people decided that we wanted to be God rather than God being God. We wanted to determine right from wrong. We wanted authority, and we decided we were going to claim it rather than give it its due place to the creator, our God. Okay, so how are we doing? All right, chapter four, Cain and Abel. We didn't go very far. Cain and Abel, so we, we, we decided we wanted to be God instead of God, and then we decided that we were going to kill that which God had created. We were going to murder. How are we doing? Then we hear about Noah. We hear some lineage. And then in chapter 6, verse 5, we hear what's happening in the world when Noah comes on the scene with God. It says in verse 5, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on all the earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. We were entirely evil, entirely wicked all of the entire time. How we doing? The fall? Cain and Abel? Noah? 
Oh, but that had to be it, right? Before we get to chapter 12, we couldn't be four for four. Oh, we four for four. Chapter 11, just one chapter before chapter 12, we see the people of God, uh, uh, God's chosen vehicle uh, to perpetuate his blessing across the earth. Chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, the people come together come together and say, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. It's all about us. It's not about God. It's about what we can do and who we are and what we're capable of. It's not about who God is and what he has done and how awesome and majestic he is. What in the world is going on and so when we hear in chapter 12 verse 3 that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you it seems like an awful awful plan <laughs> god you are so crazy <laughs> But yet, that is what God said, and that is God's plan, and that is what God is accomplishing, because I want you to hear both, both in uh, Genesis 12, 3 and in Acts 1, 8, it is promise language. It is not a question mark. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Not might be blessed through you. Not it would be nice if they would be blessed through you. Not if you get up off your duff, they will be blessed. No, it says they will be blessed through you. And in Acts 1.8, power will come upon you in the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Will promise language from God to us. How radical is that? Pillar number two, humanity is employed to perpetuate God's blessing. And then number three, number three, that you have to be in the world. Pillar number three, you have to be in the world to bless the world. You have to be in the world to bless the world. It comes to us in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, it's this initial call of Abram, and it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. You got to go from to get to what God is up to. And this, my friends, is so challenging for us. Here we have named, we have named country, people, and household. That's all sorts of comfortable, right? I remember when we used to go to, Han, uh, when we used to, go to Haiti as a church before, it was, uh, before the, 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 the political uh, implications were, were too uh, extraordinary for us and safety was an issue. But when we used to go to Haiti, I would talk to people and they were like, man, I think I would really like to go to Haiti, but... Ah, like my bed, it's just really nice. 
air conditioning. Oh, I love air conditioning. Do you love air conditioning? I love air conditioning. And do y'all have air conditioning like all day, every day in Haiti when you go in the summer? You see, this requires discomfort in order to bring comfort. If you are going to be the one that is the the resource, the, the, the blessing is coming through you, then it might require some discomfort on your part. You might be uncomfortable as you go from the known into the unknown, but as you go into the unknown, God's blessing goes with you. That you have to go into the world to bless the world. That this blessing takes place when we go outside of our comfort zones and engage in ways that we might not normally do were it up to us and our own will and our own strength. John 17, Jesus teaches us about what it means for the people of God, those called by God, Jesus' disciples to be in the world but not of the world. Where do you think Jesus got John 17, in the world but not of the world from? This was God's plan. That you and I would Go beyond ourselves. Go beyond those that that we're comfortable with. Go beyond our own settings and circumstances and enter into other people's lives to bring life and blessing. This is what Jesus did over and over again. He went to the outsider, to the lonely, to the outcast, to those not like himself, and he brought blessing. You and I must go if we are a part of this perpetuated blessing into the world in order to bless the world. Pillar number four, last of the four, four pillars. Pillar number four, that obedience is critical for fulfillment. Obedience is critical for fulfillment. Genesis 12, verse four. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So Abram went. Now, it makes me ask the question, uh, was God testing Abram? Was was this an an initial test case? Or did God already know what Abram was going to do? Either way, it it, it is, is necessary, it's required that Abram went in order for that blessing to take place. It's critical for fulfillment. What if Abram would have heard it and he'd have been like, nah, my country, my people, my household, I'm going to stay here. I imagine that might have been a Jonah-sized story, but there wasn't a sea and there wasn't a whale, but there would probably be something because there would have to be obedience in order for there to be fulfillment. I referenced Jonah. Jonah was given directive by God to go and be a blessing, to be a human vessel through which a people were called into right relationship with God. And, no, and Jonah said, nah disobedient, I ain't about that, and then God had to reorient, to to work on, to, to press upon Jonah how critical it was for obedience in order for God's plan to be fulfilled. If God wants to bless the world, why are we standing in God's way because of our own desires for our comfort? 
Obedience is critical for fulfillment. We have to go further so that God's blessing goes with us. Now, there's a layered fulfillment to these pillars. This God's plan, this radical, crazy, beautiful, extraordinary plan of God, uh, it, 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 it is, it is uh, extraordinary to watch. And we can watch it over the course of the Old Testament with the people of Israel, how Abram uh, becomes Abraham and how his family and his family lineage uh, is a source of blessing, a blessing uh, throughout the world and the region. And that blessing comes to to fulfillment then, first in Jesus, then in us. All right, stay with me for a second. God's plan starts in Israel. It is fulfilled first in Jesus, then in us. All right, so that plan, four pillars. You ready? Let's talk about Jesus in these. That all the world will be blessed. So, so what Jesus did on the cross was that for a limited scope of people or was it for the sins of the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is for all the world so that the, all the world will be blessed. Jesus takes this promise, this pillar of the plan on himself and is that for us? Fulfillment number one. Number two, that Humanity, humanity is employed for, uh, for perpetual blessing. Jesus took on flesh. God made flesh to dwell among us. God fulfilled this plan, brought it to completion in Jesus because this blessing was personified in the personhood of Jesus and he came and dwelt among us human so that humanity could be blessed. Then, in the world to bless the world, Jesus went to Sidon and Tyre. Jesus went to the Samaritans. Jesus went to the lepers. Jesus uh, dwelt with the tax collectors and the sinners. Jesus went and healed the lepers. Jesus consistently went in the world to bless the world. This is fulfillment in Jesus, and obedience is critical for fulfillment. This is Jesus sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is overwhelmed with the task that's laid before him that he would have to offer his life, his whole self, so that the world could receive this blessing. And he had to be obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross, a brutal death. And he took that on obediently so that this blessing would be fulfilled, so that God's plan in Genesis 12 could come all the way to pass. Jesus fulfills Genesis 12. Hold on now. And this is now to be fulfilled in you as well. Through you. All the world is to be blessed through you. Yes, even you. You broken, stinky, good-for-nothing, slovenly, sinful people. Even you. Yes, you. Even through you, God is going to carry and perpetuate that blessing into the world. 
God is going to call you from your comfort into places that are uncomfortable so that others might know. And God is going to use your obedience to glorify his name. This plan, this crazy, amazing, awesome plan of God in Genesis 12 is fulfilled in Jesus and it's continuing its fulfillment in you. And today you might be wondering how, why is it actually possible and God is whispering, screaming, shouting in your life, in your heart, in your soul. Yes, you. Yes. You. You are my blessing. I have blessed you not so that you could hoard it or withhold it or restrict it or constrain it, but I've blessed you so that you could carry that blessing into the world. Let's pray together. God, we, we hear of your plan and we wonder the wisdom of it. Lord, don't you know me? Don't you know who I am and what I've done and what I'm likely to do? And Lord, we confess our brokenness, our sinfulness, our error, our wickedness. We confess it to you, O oh God, and we say, how? How is this actually possible? And so now, O oh God, in the in the quiet of this space and in, in the, the tenderness of these moments, Lord, we, uh, we, we ask that, that your Holy Spirit would, would speak anew in us and through us, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon your people, uh, would wash over these, your servants, that you would uh, anoint us with your presence. And as we experience the presence of the living God working in us, blessing us, Lord, I ask that you would, uh, you would come over your people and, and invite us into this blessing. Lord, remind us again that you are calling for all the world to be blessed. This is your promise. Your promise is for all the world to be blessed. And so now, Lord, in our heart of hearts and uh, in, 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 this, in this clear reflection, Lord, some of us are raising our spiritual or maybe our physical hands and saying, Lord, I don't know how this is me. Lord, I don't know if I'm able to do what you are calling me to do. I don't know if, uh, why you have this, this plan for me. Lord, I am unworthy. And, and if that's you, if you, wonder, if you wonder how and if you, if you question why, Lord, I, I ask that you would invite people to raise their hand now as their eyes are closed in the tenderness of the space. Lord, if this is you and you don't know how it could be that God would use you, raise your hand. And Lord, here's our prayer. Our prayer each morning, each day, every moment, every day. Lord, use me. Use me. I don't know how you want to use me. I don't know why you want to use me. Use me. Send me. Bless through me. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified through me. 
And while I don't know how, I trust in you, and I trust in your word, and I trust in your plan, and I see it fulfilled in Jesus, and I just want to follow Jesus. Send me to your world. Send me to your people. The world, your favorite, your children, use me. So now as we, as we bring our hands down and just sit in that truth, Holy Spirit, come. Empower us. To bring about what you have begun in us in this very moment. We pray this in the mighty and precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.